And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and thank you so much for tuning in live here on Facebook. Uh, it's great to see our audience here, and uh, we are going live to Disrupt Ed TV, Voice Ed Radio. We'll be on iTunes, and we here at hashtag ELB, we are super excited um, to announce, we shared it last week, but we'll do it again uh, now. We are uh, officially a member of the Education Podcast Network. I want to thank Chris Nessie for uh, that honor. And there's a ton of great podcasts um, that Chris helps uh, connect educators with. And you can find those at the Education Podcast Network. So excited that Education Leadership and Beyond is now uh, part of that great work. So thank you to Chris Nessie. So it is show number 113. Thank you so much again for being here with us. Uh, we do have a live in-studio guest. She's right here next to me, and we are going to meet Peg Fitzgerald uh, in a moment. Peg is the um, supervisor of special education, not the director, the supervisor of special education in the Arlington School District, and we're going to talk all aspects of special education. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about uh, the world of education. So we're excited to meet Peg. And uh, I know Peg for many years, and uh, it's excited to have her on the podcast. So today's sponsor, it's not really a sponsor, but it's a newsflash. Uh, very excited to be working with Saney's. Uh, Saney's is the leadership organization here in New York State. Um, we are going to do a uh, book study. So here's the flyer here, and that's coming up in April into May, five weeks. And it's going to be a book study on my book, The Principles Surviving and Thriving. Uh, there'll be five sessions, April 2nd, April 20th, April 28th, May 4th, and May 12th. You can um, register online at Saney's, that's S-A-A-N-Y-S, um, and it'll be great. You'll get a copy of the book, and you don't have to be a New Yorker to get in there, um, but I'd love to meet some of you virtually here uh, through that um, opportunity, uh, So, and it'll be my first time doing a book study, so I'm excited about that. Again, you could register at Saney's, S-A-A-N-Y-S. Uh, that's the state leadership organization uh, in New York for principals. And uh, we're going to do a book study here this spring. So happy to kick that off and, and share that today. I had a different opening topic for our program today. Again, show number 113. Um, and I decided to shift gears, right, staying kind of uh, in tune with what's happening in the world. And uh, today's Tuesday, uh, January 28th. Kobe Bryant, as many of you know, passed away uh, on Sunday, very tragically, um, a number of people in an aircraft, including his daughter. And while Kobe was not uh, an educator, he did have uh, an impact on many of the lives of our students, right? Big basketball fans. And um, Kobe just, you know, worldwide phenomenon, worldwide sports icon. You know, there's Michael Jordan and then there's Kobe Bryant. He was right there, LeBron James. Um when Kobe had this thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, you know, Mamba mentality, right? And I kind of heard that as Kobe Bryant, like Mamba mentality. What is that? Is something dancing, something, you know? Um, but if you don't know what it is, just Google it, Google Kobe, and there's a ton of, of stuff out there. But in short, right, the Mamba mentality is nothing's going to stop me attitude. 
I can keep rolling no matter what. I'm going to be great no matter what. I'm going to work through things no matter what. And in the days here since Kobe passed away, a lot of talk about that. And, and us in educators, right, we need more of that, right? We have so many restrictions, so many things getting our way, so many things going on in our students' lives. And, you know, just thinking about that Mamba mentality, right? If we added more of that, if every educator we work with, everyone in your building had more of that nothing's going to stop me attitude, I'm going to be great attitude. I'm going to do a great job for my students' attitude. Think about what that would do to the culture in our buildings. And, and the mindsets of our students. So think about that here uh, in the days after Kobe's death. Uh, and a couple of other things I thought about, you know, your loved ones, your families. Uh, we're gonna meet Peg here in a moment. She has a beautiful daughter and son, uh, you know, both college educated, doing great things out there working. And right, your loved ones, how, how fragile it can go away. And no matter how much money Kobe had, he's not with us anymore. And, you know, that that's, it just it hits home when you think about that. Uh, hey, to my mom watching, mom, great to see you. You're my number one fan. I appreciate uh, watching the show. The last thing, when we do leave this earth, what are they going to say about us, right? Certainly, Kobe had some uh, controversy in his life and some things that were very public, um, but people are really focused on uh, his work ethic and and his uh, what he did after his playing career was over, just a few years. Uh, but what's the legacy you're going to leave behind, right? What are people going to say about you? So those are just some things I thought about, and I wanted to share that on the program today. Um, you know, again, blessings and, and thoughts go out to those families. Um, you know, what a tragic accident, and uh, life is fragile. So keep that in, in your mindset uh, moving forward. So I talk too much. Here we go. I'm going to scoot over, and uh, we are going to welcome in Peggy Fitzgerald. Scoot in here. Okay. Cheryl, great to see you. You too. Yeah, you too. welcome to the program. Thank this is you. Peg Fitzgerald, the uh, supervisor of special education in the Arlington School District. Yes. Yeah. Peg, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, give us the you know one minute snippet. Tell tell our audience here who you are. Uh, well, right now I work in Arlington as a supervisor of special education. I have I'm responsible for four elementary schools plus all the special education students and. K through 12 day in residential. I was in Port Jervis for 13 mm -hmm. years, um, started as a special education teacher, was the CSE chairperson, and then took a leap of faith mm -hmm. and moved to Dutchess or moved to Dutchess County for my job. Um, and then before way back when I was a director of marketing and sales, quit my job, took another leap of faith, went to school to be an educator, and here I am. And here you are on Education Leadership Beyond Sharing. Mom says hello. Hello. Um, hey, you know, it's great to talk to people, meet people that were did other work before education. What was it that drew you into coming to be an educator? Well, since I graduated from college, way back when, training and development was always part of my job. Mm -hmm. I was in human resources and in sales and marketing. And um, I had two small children, didn't really want to put the hours in anymore, had always thought about teaching, applied to Mount St. Mary, got accepted, deferred it for a year, and they called and said, are you using your spot? I said, okay, quit my job and went to school. Wow. And, and why special education, Peggy? What, what was it that you knew that I want to 
I want to teach these kids. I want to help these kids. Well, initially, it really wasn't a call. It was I could get two certifications for the price of one. Okay. So why not do that? Mm -hmm. But since becoming a special educator, it is my passion just to be able to help kids reach their potential, whatever that may be. Yeah. And when did you know, like how soon did you know, like, wow, I, I could be good at this. I, I, I This is good. This is working for me. When I survived my first year at Port Jervis High School. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a struggle. I don't know how young teachers do it. I was an adult and it was a lot of work and it was yeah. a struggle and the culture was totally different than what it is now. Um, so with the support of everyone and also seeing the growth my students made from mm -hmm. September, I had, as the principal at the time told me, one third of the problem children in the freshman class. And in the September, they all couldn't stand each other. And by June, they were a little family, they were working hard and they were successful. And Tony DeMarco hired you? Was it Tony? Uh, he was the assistant principal. Arnie Spedafore hired me. He was kind of the me. principal. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Tony was your mentor? Like, did he yes. kind of help you along? Yes, yeah. he did. Because when I started teaching, we didn't have mentors. So you were just kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool. Wow. And I remember Arnie, who was the principal at the time, saying to me, oh, how's it going? And I said, and this is my quote, there isn't a day that goes by that someone doesn't tell me where to go, how to get there, and what to do when I arrive. And I said, and I'm not quite sure how to handle that because yeah. I came from business. And he said, well, it's kind of trial by fire. At the end of the year, you'll love it or you won't. And I did. So. Yeah. And there was a lot of adjectives mixed in those uh, Oh, there directions. were a lot of adjectives yeah. mixed in those directions. Yeah, we didn't have the same culture we have today. Yeah, yeah. And Peggy, you know, from that uh, those initial jobs that you had in port, you then, again, changes in your life along the way you took over that the, the cap program right the um mm -hmm. what's the official term career I achievement program right and and working with some of our lowest level students right what was that transition like for you oh that was my favorite job of all time yeah because it really first of all because we partnered with a local business so it gave them job skills mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um and also because they were wonderful like I found that if you have high expectations mm -hmm. that they may, students might not reach them, but they'll die trying if they know that you believe that they can do it. And I have had students in that class who were illiterate to students who, you know, eventually way back when got a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And regardless of their ability, I mean, the secret is everybody felt like they could accomplish something in there and they did. Yeah. And Peg, you know, in those different roles that you had. And again, if you're watching live, thank you so much for tuning in. Please leave us a question or a comment. Peg's here live with us. And um, there's a number of people watching. So please leave us a question. You know, the, the, the skills, the techniques you need to teach those kids. What would you say, Peg? Is it more the technique or is it the more the way you do it? Right. Because so much of I watched you, you have a certain way you were gentle with them but you were firm with them but you did it with a smile right? right they knew you weren't messing around so there was respect there was love there was care where is that balance in there i mean i think really what it is is to take the time to build a relationship with your students and then modify what needs to be modified so that they understand i was just telling someone the other day you know, I taught life skill kids and they did global history. Did they do what 10th graders were doing? Mm -hmm. 
not at the same level, but they had one sheet that gave them the facts that so they could talk about things. So I think it's really establishing that relationship and then modifying it. And as you said, have a sense of humor, yeah. you know, because that makes a big difference. You laughed a lot. With I that. did. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, your friend Carolyn Darty's watching. She's a master <laughs> teacher. What are some things that you learned from people that may, you know, teaching in math, teaching in the other areas? What were some things that you took from them that worked for you? Um, I think Carolyn and I taught together my first year and um, I learned math from her, mm -hmm. but also just the way she broke things down and the way she worked with the students. And I tell her all the time when she tells me a story, that's why you're a master teacher, because she builds the relationship. She takes the time to plan engaging lessons and she has hard conversations with students when she needs to. Yeah. You had such a way though. I, you know, they knew not to mess with you and you'd get that look and you, hey, you know, and we say treat, treat every kid like they're our kids. Right. Like you, you, I don't want to say yelled at you, but you, Discipline I did that, that. right? As if they were yours, you know. And I know your daughter was in the building a lot and probably laughed watching you, you know. Uh, but they knew you did it with love, uh, which I think is the key ingredient. And they still uh, today, when I see them around town, yeah, they still yeah come up and say hello and want to hang out. And Peg, you mentioned that, you know opening like there was a, a number of leaps of faith. There was a number of changes in there. When did you start to say like? Well, I want to do more than just in the classroom. I, I want to look at getting my administration, uh, which you did with us, right? You did mm -hmm. the internship and stuff. But when did that start to creep in of, I, I think I can do more? Um, I think after I had been probably teaching in the CAP program, I was working on my master's degree. And I have always had leadership positions in my jobs. Education is different than business. And um, I just felt like I had more to contribute than just teaching. And not that there's, you know, teaching is a great career and I did a lot, but I just felt like I could do more. Yeah. And what? tell me about that journey in leadership. What were some things that you kind of learned and things that you were surprised by? And, and what were some of those things? Um, I think part of it was how to give feedback to um, right now, I have to supervise teachers, so mm -hmm. I have to evaluate them. And when I need to give some, um, I wouldn't call it negative feedback, but some coaching, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How to deliver that so that they can hear it as opposed to just coming out and saying this wasn't good. Mm -hmm. um, and also the balance, you know, building relationships with parents and as a special educator, I really, the committee, but I'm the head of the committee, mm -hmm. have to deliver the final message that, which to me is very serious, either, yes, your student has a disability or we can support them, or no, they don't, which should be something good. Mm -hmm. But if you have a student who struggles, you want more support. And sometimes it's hard to deliver that message. Yeah. And Peg, with your style, right, and your firmness with the kids, like, tell me about, right, because I grew up, I was a science teacher, a very competitive athlete. Uh, you either made the team or you didn't. You either were on time or you weren't, uh, you know, survival of the fittest, right? And, you know, getting to know our kids and, and what they need and what best supports them. How, in those situations, right, as the, as the supervisor now, how do you coach parents up to kind of hold the line with their kids because these kids need more, right? But where is the line of, all right, 
enough's enough. You've had three chances. I gave you two copies. When's enough enough? Well, I think that that's a difficult question. Um, but I think that we have to look at what do students need to succeed and what we do also have to hold them accountable. Yeah. Right. So if you get a copy of class notes and I've given you three copies of the class notes, then even when I was teaching, I would say, okay, well, when you get a job, right. And related to the real world, when mm -hmm. you get a job, if your boss gives you something to do and you forget it or you don't do it and they give you another chance, how many chances do you think you're going to get? Because in the end, we have to prepare our students to go out into the real world. Yeah. And tell me about, you know, tell me some of the reactions, right? To the most times a kid respond to that? Sometimes, you know, they complain, or my favorite was when they were always late for class. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're late for class, you'll be late for work, and then you'll be unemployed. And they're like, no, no, it's just because it's school. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but we have seen that it does carry over. I mean, sometimes they're receptive to it. And again, it's all in your delivery. Mm -hmm. And Although we need to make modifications and accommodations for special education students, they still need to be held accountable for their actions and for their work. Yeah, absolutely. And Peg, you talked a lot in our pre-show work about equity, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me about you as the supervisor fighting for equity for those kids. Well, I think the biggest fight is to keep them in the least restrictive environment mm -hmm. because throughout my career, it's been the first reaction is, Andrew can't sit still. He's not at his desk. He's not focusing. He's got his head down. He's got to go. He's got to go to somebody else's mm -hmm. class. And the, I've- The eject button. Right, yeah. right. And I've worked really hard with my team to say, rather than say, Andrew has to go, what supports can we put in place so Andrew can stay? Mm -hmm. And they, I would have to say in the three years, they're coming around. You know, we have for some students who can't sit still, we have stand-up desks for them so they can stand and do work. But I think it's just shifting that mindset to instead of they have to go, how can we keep them? Yeah. And there's so many things you mentioned about the stand-up tables, like the, the things you could put your you – know, like rubber bands on oh, the bottom, right. the, the bouncy seats. There's so many things. Right. There's so many school districts, including here in Port Jervis, are making just those small tweaks in terms of allowing student movement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our kinesthetic lab in Port Jervis is, is great. And, uh, you know, our, our phys ed teachers are adding that um, zero hour PE, which is having great benefits. Right. So things, supports to help kids. But that's a great point, right? What can we do to support versus they don't fit here? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Because the statement that people don't always want to hear me say is they have a right to be here, mm -hmm. right? They have a right to be in a class with their peers and we have to figure out how to help them be successful. And Peg, you, you know, sometimes those students, I mean, and really any student, sometimes the parent is not the voice for them, mm -hmm. right? And you are that advocate. You are that person that's standing up for them. So that's, that's important. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always have advocated, like, what would I want for my own child? Right. And sometimes it's a fine line and it's a tightrope walk between balancing what the student needs, what the law is. You know, um, if I'm a parent, I want the Cadillac of special ed. Yeah. But as a school district, 
our responsibility is to provide access to the curriculum so the student can show growth. Mm -hmm. We can do that with a Chevy. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's a fine line, but also giving every student what they need to succeed. Yeah. And those kids sometimes need more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Peg, let me ask you this. You went from business to Port Jervis, right? A total mm -hmm. change in culture. And then you went from Port Jervis to Arlington. How did you adapt to the culture? Like how did that, you know, I've been in Port Jervis a long time. I came from Staten Island. Like, how did you, you know, go into a new school district? What was that like in a new position? It was very difficult. One of the biggest challenges that I had was I had been in Port Jervis for 13 years. Yeah. I knew the families and the kids from preschool to high school. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a district three times the size of Port Jervis wow. um, with parents who demand, have high expectations for their students and for education and don't know any of them, don't have a relationship with the staff. So my first year, I have to say, was a little rocky mm -hmm. because I had to build that relationship with the staff, let them know that, you know, I do have your back. I'm here in your best interest. Build a relationship with the parents because some parents were disgruntled, not happy. Um, and I have to say, three years in, smooth sailing. You got, you got, but you got to your sweet spot. It took, yeah. you know, three yeah. years to get there. That, those meetings are a little, yeah, I, I try not to make comparisons to refereeing, but, you know, when you make a call refereeing, someone's not going to be happy. Right. So it's similar in that, right? Whether the teacher disagrees with your recommendation that you should have done A, B, and C, and you did D, E, and F, or the parent doesn't think they're getting enough for their kid. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the other difference between Port Jervis and Arlington is in Arlington, a lot of people come with a parent advocate. Yeah. So there's a parent advocate at the table and which sometimes works in our works in our best interests because they help us build that pathway mm -hmm. and explain things to the parent mm -hmm. and sometimes makes the job a little more yeah. challenging. Combative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's important that those groups work together. Uh, that's a challenge, right? And, and you're kind of master of ceremonies. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if I'm delivering a message that everyone likes, life is rosy. But if I'm sitting there telling you that although your child is struggling, they do not have a disability and you are looking for the school to do something because your child is struggling. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's a difficult message. I have to stay on point and then recommend building support. Like yeah. There are building supports that you can access, but um, it's not always a pleasant task. Even when you're telling someone what, what should be good news, like the good news is your child doesn't have a disability. Oh, yeah. And how, so in a way, Peggy, are you, how much coaching of the parents do you find yourself doing? Um, I think not really that much. I mean, I have built a relationship with everyone now, but I, you know, I've had parents where I've just had to say, this is where we are. This is how it is. We have the best interests of your child in mind, mm -hmm. but we also have to function within the limits of the law. And it's, you know, most of the time, I do have to say, by the time we're through with the discussion, 
we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah, that's great insight, Peg. And special education is not a strength of mine. I, you know, I let people like you make those good decisions, and uh, no, that's great. Yeah, you know, and and certainly you and I uh, go back a long way in Port Jervis, and you did an amazing job. And there was a lot of laughs there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, and you know, you did your internship, and and here you're on your way. Peg, let me ask you to shift gears to you as a, as a leader. What are some things that you do, you know, daily to make sure that you're at your best? You heard my opening comment about the mamba mentality. What are some things, uh, the Peggy mentality, things that work for you to be healthy, to be prepared for your job, things like that? Well, I always make sure when I have meetings that I have reviewed all the reports, that I have asked any questions. So when I walk into the meeting, um, there are no surprises. If we have a meeting that there are things that, you know, everything doesn't fall into place neatly, we'll have it. And I disagree with some of the team members. We'll talk about it because when we come to the table, we're a united front. We represent the school district. Um, I also believe in balance. I think it's very important. I tell my people we're gearing up for annual reviews. So between now and June, 450 meetings. I have to chair. Whoa. And so it's a lot. And I always tell my team, we're not getting on the hamster wheel. Like we're doing what we can. And um, at the end of the day, on the weekend, I take one day for me. And usually that's Saturday to just be, do what I need to do. And then Sunday, if I have work to do, that's my day to do work. Even Jesus rested on Even Sunday. Jesus <laughs> rested on Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, you know, you have a commute now. We used to be right now there in your backyard. In 10 minutes. So tell me about using that time. Are you uh, kind of brain breaking, listening to music? Are, are you doing podcasts? What are you doing uh, uh, on that drive? It's a variety of things. Sometimes I listen to podcasts in the morning on my way in. Education, leadership, Education, and leadership, and beyond, of course. Well, I watch it live, so I don't have to listen to it. Um, sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes um, I listen to music. Usually on my drive home, I silence. Like I just need to decompress on my ride home. So I don't listen to anything. Really? Yeah. Just the quiet. Just the quiet. And are you reflecting on the day? Are you thinking about what you're going to do when you go home? What are you doing? Um, a variety of things. I reflect on the day. Was there anything I could have done differently? You know, sometimes what am I going to eat for dinner? Anyone who knows me knows I'm not a big cook. So that's, you know, um, and a lot of times when I'm driving home, I do what I call my gratefuls. Like, I'm grateful that I have this job, that my kids are healthy, that they're employed, that, you know, all of those things. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Peg, I know you have some goals, uh, physical fitness goals coming up too. Uh, I saw in, in your sheet there, you want to talk about uh, that world and, and what you're getting ready for? Okay. Yeah. So probably 10 years ago, I believe it is. There was a group of us from Carolyn Doherty, Lori mm -hmm. Kmar, mm -hmm. Noelle Bushy, myself, Annie Ward. Jean Marie was our cheerleader. Um, we ran a half marathon in the city. We ran the Moore Half Marathon in the city. 
we didn't really train. We just, I told them they had to do it and they listened and we did it. That's leadership <laughs> for you right there. We're doing this and you're coming. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why they were all in Greece too, because I signed them all off and they did it. So um, it's been 10 years. And so I decided that, you know, I want to run another half marathon. So I'm going to start to start running again. And um, my real goal is to be able to run a marathon. I don't know if I have it in me, but mm. that's uh, that's my goal. Okay. Yeah, and what is it about the running? Is it is it the fitness? Is it the goal? What is it? It's you know what? It's being outside. It's um, and I don't really listen to music when I run. I just want nature, mm. and it just allows me to decompress, and I just enjoy it. Cool. Good luck. Thanks. And you definitely can do the marathon. I don't know. If you can do thirteen, you just yeah, you can do it. We couldn't have done 13 yet. <laughs> that, Another that, 13. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, pouring yeah, rain that yeah, day yeah. and like 32 degrees. Oh we were God. all hypothermic by the time we were done. Peg, what else do you do to sharpen the saw? Right? You have a difficult job. People are poking at you. Um, you know, there's a, a, a huge budget component to that. What are some other things that you do to better yourself, to be ready, to continue to advance? Well, I. Um, watch podcasts, different educational podcasts, read. I have great, my uh, my boss and my special ed team are wonderful. And then I have great principals that I collaborate with and work with and, um, you know, together work on how we're going to improve our results for our special ed kids. Yeah. Dr. Gilbert famously says uh, success leaves clues, right? And we pick things up from those people. What would you say, Peg, that you took from your business and marketing world that has helped you in now in schools? It's all about the presentation. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to, the way the lesson is presented, the way you present information to parents, it's all about how you put it out there. And from you, I learned, and I quote you all the time, the difference is in the details, mm. right? That really taking the time to make sure you have all your ducks in a row that makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, to be ready for those meetings. Yeah. And then looking confident, knowing what you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, cool. Peggy, you mentioned, uh, thank you so much for the nice shout out. Um, uh, Dick Thompson was a mentor of yours also. Uh, you know, what did you learn from? from so Dick? he was my very first supervisor okay. after I graduated from Morrisville. I worked in employee relations and my job was at for Mobile Chemical in Macedon, New York. Um, and it was a manufacturing plant. And he said to me, a million things are going to happen in this day, but those people come first. So I don't want to hear that somebody couldn't talk to you. You couldn't work out their problem, whatever, because you had a deadline. Figure it out. Uh -huh. And that has really been something I've carried with me. Like, the people come first. They want to be taken care of. They want to know that you're there for them. And you have to figure out how to get everything else done. Is that great how you remember those things? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. I remember I had a similar experience in my first couple of years as AP. And I'm like trying to get all this stuff done and people at the door. <laughs> and then it like hit me. And I don't know if it was tone. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, hold on. Like, that's the work. That is like this is the work. That stuff right. is done somewhere other time. Yeah. Right. But it still has to be done. Right. It still <laughs> yeah. has to be done. Yeah. 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 Nights and weekends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's uh, Mrs. Marana saying you absolutely can do it. Yeah. Yeah. My mom. She did a marathon. That's right, mom. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Peggy, you've been doing this a long time. I would say you are a master uh, in special education and, and all that comes with it. What advice would you give to, you know, young special education teachers and or people that are just, you know, getting into the field, administrators in special education? What, what are the pieces of advice would you give? Take the time to build a relationship with your students and your parents. Um, planning and preparation is key. Um, it's not easy. <laughs> Hang in there. Being a good teacher and a, and a special educator because you are responsible for modifying and helping the general ed teacher meet the needs of these students is a lot of work. It takes yeah. a lot of work to be a good teacher. Um, lean on your mentor and make time for yourself. That was well said. Thanks. I'll have to replay that and get that all down. <laughs> Peg, we are coming up uh, on near the end here, the rapid fire portion. So these are quick answers. The first one that comes to your head. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Okay. You don't need extra time. You don't need me to read them. No, flies, no like I don't that. need any accommodation. Just kidding. Sorry. I didn't you, you, gave me a, you gave no. me a copy in advance, so I'm prepared. That's good. All right. Last book you read. The OMD plan. You want to, uh, we'll, we'll pause rapid fire. You want to talk okay. a little bit about that? I, so I'm curious about the that. OMD plan, it's called One Meal a Day, and it's written by, I can't think of the movie producer. He did, it's his wife. Um, but anyway, what oh, is. Oh, I know. Uh, he, um, they're doing the sequel. The, yes. The, the, the <laughs> guys that are blue. Yes. James. James Cameron. Okay. So yeah. his wife. Avatar. Yes, his, his wife wrote this book and it's called The OMD Plan. And what it is, is giving one meal a day up that is not meat and dairy, eating plant-based for one meal a day. And so in this book, she goes through and explains the impact on the environment, um, on climate change by giving up a, a meal of meat and dairy. She also talks about, you know, where are you going to get your protein from? Everyone says if you eat plant-based, you don't get enough protein. Mm. You do. And then in the back of the book um, is all recipes. So if you wanted to do it, she said she and her husband watched uh, Forks Over Knives. If you've never watched it, you should watch it um, on Netflix. And after that, they got rid of all the meat and dairy in wow. their house. But from if, watching that. From watching that. Forks over knives. Yes. Wow. And so um, she's saying if you don't want to go all in, if you just gave up one meal a day, that would help the environment and help your health. Wow. I'll have to check that out. Our friend uh, Taylor Hardy's watching. She had a baby. Hi, Taylor. Congratulations. Yeah. First long-term sub job That's for the great Peg Fitzgerald. <laughs> all right. We broke off the okay. thing here. We're, I'm going to restart the clock right. here. All right. Last movie you saw. Aladdin. That was cool, right? right. Yeah, Will Smith. Uh, favorite place to travel? West Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see the pictures on Facebook <laughs> after hours. Uh, besides education, leadership, and beyond, what is a podcast that you subscribe to? Executive functioning. Uh -huh. That's my that's my goal this year. Yeah. I am putting together professional development on how to uh, strategies to use when students have executive functioning deficits. Awesome. Very cool. You mentioned a lot of uh, challenges in your work. What would you say is the greatest challenge? Motivating people to do things a different way. <laughs> hmm. that's, a, that's a podcast series right there. <laughs> Something that motivates you. Something that just um, doing the best for students, you know, giving them what they need.
Absolutely. A pet peeve. When people say, but we always did it this oh. way. <laughs> I'm getting hot just talking. <laughs> I hear you. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. All right. So my best purchase probably was 10 years ago. It was a book called The Skinny Bitches. And that is literally the name of the book. They also have a cookbook. And what they did is they wrote about how your food is processed. And they are vegan. Their goal is not for you to be vegan, but for you to be aware of mm -hmm. what you're putting in your system. And I read that book and never ate meat again. Yeah. You, these books have had great impact they on you. Have. The OMD plan and skinny bitches. She did ask uh, permission <laughs> to curse on the program. Sorry. You know, I don't know how they feel on the Education <laughs> Podcast Network. I'm going to get back. I just got on. And now we get thrown <laughs> no, off. That's it. Thanks, Peg. Our friend Eileen Valentine's here. Something about Peg Fitzgerald that people do not know about. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I attended Miss Rose's School of Charm, mm -hmm. finishing school. Really? At St. James. Yes, she came to the Catholic school. Oh, wait a minute. You're not joking. This is no, real. I, I, no, I'm serious. You <laughs> no, I'm serious. So what did you learn at charm school? We learned how to walk properly, how to sit properly, how to set a proper table. All those things that you need Oh, my to, God. No. Do you yeah. remember? The, the... I do. You never cross. See, I'm not sitting properly. You never cross your legs. The lady sits at the edge of her chair and crosses her ankles. Get out. I'm serious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought you were kidding. Yeah. Wow. You're having me veer off the. Uh, I'm not doing too good with my lesson plan here. Don't write me up. You have to go with the punches, you know. I am a fan of blank in the world of education. Uh, let me take a Carol Dweck, the growth mindset. Oh, yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Something that has been a hurdle for you that can be professionally or personally. That I had a hard time with. I mean, I think just taking the leap of faith and going to Arlington and starting all over and not knowing one person yeah. um, was kind of deja vu because when I went to Port Jervis, I knew not one person. Yeah, and uh, had that up at the end And of that turned out really well. <laughs> I knew everybody, yeah. I give you credit listening to your story here today about those those leaps, like you're, you're fearless in a way. You know, you might be fearful inside, but you, the fact that you did these things, that's impressive. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's not easy. No, no, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's, uh, you know, probably my first year at Arlington, I did a lot of second guessing. Yeah. Like, I was in a sweet spot in Port yeah. Jervis, and now, you know. Yeah. But the experience that I've gained has been wonderful. Yeah, and you, you know, you not being afraid to step out of your comfort zone, running a half marathon maybe when you weren't ready doing these things and you know that's you, you got a lot you got a lot of gusto there peg um a short-term goal this can be personal or professional also three to five months three to five months okay i'm gonna jump out of a plane go skydiving with my cousin dennis who's a priest so that's the only person i'd go with father like. bless us right yeah <laughs> he wants to go and he's like come on you know you want to do it with me i go all right cousin denny you're the closest thing to god i know so wow. i'm jumping I'm wow. jumping with what, you. You have that all scheduled? And, uh, we do not have it scheduled yet, but we were just talking about it the other day. And okay. Said, we're doing it this weekend or this sometime this summer. That's exciting. A long-term goal, three to five years. 
uh, to be either an assistant superintendent or a superintendent. If you're listening here, she's putting it out there. Uh, Peg, I know we talked a little off air about social media, but if people did want to contact you, if they did want to reach out to you, what's the best way uh, they can do that? Um, probably my email. Okay. It's Peggy Fitzgerald 930 at gmail.com. One more time. Peggy Fitzgerald 930 at gmail.com. Cool. Peggy, I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite quote that you wanted to share? I do. Okay. It was hanging on my door was a teacher. Don Crone, I had it. Don Crone gave me mm. the um, the sticker that says it, and it says, to the world, you might may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Mm. And that kind of sums it up. You did a great job today. Uh, Peg Fitzgerald here on Education Leadership Beyond. This was great. Thanks. Yeah, I enjoyed all, it. All your people are here uh, watching, <laughs> right? So you did great. Guys, this is Peg Fitzgerald. Again, she's at Arlington. Uh, you want to reach out to her. Um, you know, really knows her stuff with special education. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, uh, the Education Podcast Network. Check out all those podcasts there. Uh, if I could help you in any way, I am uh, on Twitter at Andrew Murata 21 I'm going to work on getting Peg on Twitter. And again, we opened the show with um, the book study that's coming up on the Saney's website. Uh, that's S-A-A-N-Y-S. I uh, would love for you to be part of the book study here. Get registered and uh, you'll get a copy of the book. And You'll get a lot of Murata over those five <laughs> sessions. Oh, excuse me there. So we're going to tune out here uh, on Education Leadership Beyond. Let's get this music queued up. This is Peggy Fitzgerald. Uh, this was Education Leadership Beyond. Peg, thanks so much. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you did a great job. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is it. Thanks, Mom. Thank you.